Support for Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you precision-engineered tools for your grooming experience. So Manscaped was kind enough to hook us up with their best-selling product, the Lawnmower 3.0, and no joke, you guys, this thing's slick. Uh, I'm not going to do an ad read for a company that I don't believe in personally, and I'm here to tell you that if you have any shaving needs for any hair on your body, this takes care of it. Uh, it's a great little, great little buzzer, great product. I'm a super hairy guy, and if I'm going to recommend a product on the show, it's going to be something that actually impresses me, and so consider me impressed. Here are the deets straight from the Manscaped ad copy. Their third generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 3.0, features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. The water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower, which is pretty cool. Something that I haven't seen a lot of the razors and the LED light, um, it's built in right on the front of it and illuminates whatever you're shaving. So it's a great product. I'm a huge fan. Get 20% off and free shipping on your whole entire order if you use the promo code SUNNYNKC on the manscaped.com website. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use SUNNYNKC. And honestly, we need you guys to use this code to secure our deal with Manscaped long term. So please use the code. Let Austin and I know about it. We'll shout you out on the podcast. And now back to your regularly scheduled program. So this question from Zach that we got in the mailbag, I, I just love the idea of kind of alternate reality NFLs where like, cause it'll never happen, but it's fun to think about just some different twists on stuff. And so alternate reality is very big right now. Anyway. You know. <laughs> yeah. We wish we had one. Yes. Um, so Zach asked us if you could shake up the divisions by moving four teams, what would they be and why? Which is interesting, you know. I mean, and shake up specifically, not just yeah, blow up is what who, I'm going to do. Who fits? Yeah, exactly. I'm I'm blowing stuff up too. So, uh, why don't you start off with what you did, and then I'll yeah. So I decided to I I moved one. I think I took a little bit of a different approach to it than you did. I decided to move one team from each division. So I didn't and I didn't intend to start out that way, but that's just how it ended up. So I started with my first move. My first select, as it were, was to swap the Lions from the NFC North and the Patriots to create Ooh. an AFC East that is so bad. I took <laughs> all of the worst teams in the NFL, which is the existing AFC East teams minus the Patriots, and I stuck the Lions in there. That's and pretty di- diabolical. Our loyal listeners of the podcast will remember last week I was talking about how much I hate the Lions. This you is do. sort of my bid to make the Lions relevant by putting them in a division that's so bad. And plus, it'll be hilarious because it's all like Bill Belichick cast-offs, right? I mean, it's like you got Brian mm-hmm. Flores in there. you got Matt Patricia in there. We probably would make a rule that you have to hire like a Belichick assistant. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I got first off. And then the Patriots going to the NFC North, contrary-wise, is kind of a fun little – you know, that's a pretty competitive division traditionally. Sure. It certainly is much more competitive than their division has been, you know, the last several years. Patriots v. Packers would be a lot of fun. Yeah, it would be Patriots, Bears, you know, Patriots, um, Patriots, Vikings. Vikings. Yeah. yeah, that would be fun. So then my second select is actually to swap the Chargers and the Seahawks. Okay. And I'll tell you why that is. Number one, we bring the Seahawks back to the West where the yeah. Chiefs used to completely dominate them. Yeah. And the main reason is because the Seahawks are interesting and fun and actually have fans. <laughs> <laughs> Got them. 
it's fun to rag on the Chargers because they don't have any fans. No. But, like, it's also kind of boring. Like, yeah. I wish that they had some juice. You know, they brought some juice. Like, the, the Raiders and the Broncos, for as bad as they are, they, they, at least, they at least bring the juice. They have a lot of juice. So, I would move the Chargers to the NFC West, and I would bring the Seahawks to the AFC West. If you make fun of a Chargers fan, but there are no Chargers fan, are you really even making fun of anyone? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's no like, fun. it's, it's not. Yeah. And actually I'm convinced that the Chargers fans that do exist are bots, but that's like <laughs> a, that's a thing for another time. Yeah. Good. So then I would swap the Bengals and the Titans and Ooh, the Titans. that was kind of just a weird random one, just because the Titans to me feel like an AFC North team, you know, the yeah. AFC North has got this like, Oh, we're going to run the ball and football's yeah. 1950 and like, blah, blah, blah. And that's like yeah. such a Titans thing. Mike Vrabel, <laughs> you know, your throwback, your former linebacker, uh-huh. you know, coaching the football team. So I feel like they would be a good fit in the a- AFC North. And uh, on the flip side, the Bengals are an AFC South team, you know, wearing the wrong uniforms, playing in the wrong division. They should be in the AFC South. Yeah. That is a division full of clown teams and the Bengals are a clown team, so they should be in the AFC South. Not that the Titans aren't kind of a clown team, but, you know, I mean, and the AFC North has its share of clown teams. I mean, after all, the Browns play there. They're all clowns. Final selection, and I did decide after I'd already swapped the first six teams that I was going to swap my last two divisions, which were the NFC uh, East and South. Yeah. So, I don't know. This one doesn't have a lot of juice, but I was going to swap Washington and Atlanta. Uh, there's not really any reason for that other than I feel like the Washington team name, their identity, would play really well in the South uh, <laughs> just because of the whole race angle. Like, I just think that they would be very into a team named after a racial slur. Sure. So I figured I would move them to the NFC South, and I'd move Atlanta, you know, up into Washington. You got, uh, you know, or not into Washington, but into the – NFC East, you got a bird team. You can, you know, you have Falcons, Eagles twice a year, which has got mm-hmm. some nice juice. Ka! Ka! Birds of war. You know, I, I feel like that would be fun. So what was your approach to this? I one? like it. So I, I started off and I actually answered Zach's question on Twitter. And I said, do you want us to move, you know, is four moves, eight teams. And I, I thought I'm just going to, I'm going to change one team in each division. I thought that sounded fun. Exactly what you did. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, well, you know, I could just, get a blank canvas going with one division and I could move four teams out of that division and bring in four teams that I just want all to be in the same division. And so I thought it would be quite fun to do that. So the, the division that I blew up that I sent all four teams away was the NFC West, which is a terrible division anyway. And no one cares about, you know, there's no Rams, Niners, Cardinals, Seahawks rivalries. Anyway, they're all just, you know, they're all just there. So I well, said some all, people would say, you know, Niners, Seahawks is a pretty good meh, yeah, yeah, It does nothing yeah. for me. It just, yeah, well, I'm it doesn't do there. anything for us because we're, we're <laughs> fans. But well, yeah. it's fine. It's fine. Just, so just... the first team that I sent away from the NFC West was the Rams. I sent them to the NFC North and I brought in the most famous franchise in NFL history, the Green Bay Packers. That's a great starting you know, you're going to build a a division from scratch. You're going to start with the Packers. And the team that I brought in, the first team I brought in to face them weekly was the same team that you have the Packers facing every season, which is the Patriots. I sent the uh, Arizona Cardinals. So the Cardinals started in the AFC East, and I'm sending them back to where they 
came from, even though they're a Western team, whatever. These divisions don't have to make sense. So the Arizona Cardinals are going to have to fly all the time over to the AFC East. They kind of create that vortex of suck you were talking about with the Lions, but obviously the Lions have a worse uh, franchise history than the Cardinals. So you have me beat there in creating the worst version of the AFC East. But the Cardinals go there, the Patriots come in. So we've got Patriots, Packers, and then the third team, is the Seattle Seahawks. I sent them to the AFC North and they were replaced by the Pittsburgh Steelers who come out west. And the Steelers, Packers, Patriots, you know, a lot of, a lot of history there. there. A lot lot of history, a lot of of passionate fans. Yes. They definitely have a past for sure. And you know, with the, um, with Seattle going to the North, Seattle kind of is the same type of thing you were talking about with the Titans. The North is kind of that smash mouth mentality or whatever, even though that doesn't seem very smart, but Seattle fits that mold pretty well. So send Seattle out to there. And then finally I took the San Francisco 49ers and I matched them up in the AFC West instead of the NFC West. And they are going to be replaced by the chiefs. So by Broncos, by Raiders, by no Charger fans, we the Chiefs are going up. They're they're raising their game. They're getting a promotion. They're going to this newfangled like superstar division with the Steelers, Patriots, and Packers. And the 49ers can come in, and you know there's a little bit of 49ers Raiders rivalry from the Bay Area times, and and they're still out west. And so that's what I did. I formed a new super division that uh, where the the Chiefs can keep all these other teams at arm's length because the chiefs are going to be the best team for a while now. Now. Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think I see, I think I see a a pattern here because if I'm not mistaken, those three franchises that you have selected to join this new division that are not the chiefs are the three super bowl winningest franchises in NFL history. You caught on. And and so it makes sense that we would also be there because in well, a couple of years. And, and the other, oh, oh, correct. I mean, you give us, you know, six years and boom, we're right there with seven rings, but, or eight rings. But um, the other thing I want to do is I want to keep these other teams from being able to get another ring. Sure. You know, you want to so take the three, them. yes, yeah. you want to take the three teams at the top. And if the Chiefs plan on getting to the top, then you want to, Pick those three teams, put them in your division, and then beat their ass every week so that they don't ever make it back to the Super Bowl ever again. Makes sense. I love it. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Thank you very much to Bird of War, Zach, at the layman's terms. We'll get into that a little bit later, but we appreciate Zach for giving us a little material to riff on there, shaking up our divisions, making a new super division. We've got an exciting episode this week, Taylor. We do. A very exciting episode, one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Now, you are, of course, referring to our game recap 
which is Chiefs Texans. We're also going to talk about the wild card round that led up to us beating the Texans in the divisional round. But before we get to that, we do have some news that we're going to talk over. News, some legitimate news, news, news. Some legitimate NFL news. Thank you for that. Our drop. I should have joined you. That's, that's right. my bad. That's, that's my job there. I'm the news guy. Then we're going to get into our recap of the Chiefs thrilling comeback win over the Texans and then at the end we are going to announce our listener all-star team the birds of war so do you want to talk do you want to talk news yeah let's talk about some news the the biggest craziest wave of the offseason no but I mean I don't know I think Cam to the Patriots was something that everyone kind of saw coming right like you you weren't very surprised by that were you no I was not but I was a little bit surprised by it because, and I shouldn't have been, but I was a little bit surprised by it because in typical Patriots fashion, <laughs> they sort of like lulled us into this, into yeah. thinking that it wasn't going to happen. And then as soon as they got slapped with their discipline for cheating, again, filming the Bengals of all people or filming, I guess, the Browns at the Bengals. Yeah, both of them. Filming everything. Yeah. After, yeah, they're, they're, they're spying on everybody. They're bugging their babies. <laughs> after they got slapped with that, 20 minutes after that news dropped, they leaked that they had signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal. Which feels like they had Cam signed since April, and they were just waiting for the Yeah, f- oh, for sure. That's absolutely what happened. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's fun. I, for one, am excited to see what Cam still has left in the tank. You know, obviously, he was playing pretty well in the first half of 2018 before yeah. he hurt his shoulder and then he obviously came back last year looked pretty bad in the handful of you know quarters that he played and then got hurt again with the Liz Frank injury went down and the Panthers were starting you know the likes of Kyle Allen and Will Greer the rest of the season which did not go great for them. so I don't know I mean I think it's kind of fun I think it gives a little bit more juice to the Patriots um you know obviously you just moved them into this super division in our, in our, you know, you gave them a lot of respect for what they have accomplished in the past, but I think it's kind of fun just to see, you know, kind of, kind of what they're going to come up with some less exciting and less fun news to talk about. We got to talk about Chris Jones, Taylor. So last night we're recording this on Wednesday, July 1st. So last night, uh, June 30th, Mike Garofalo had a new spot from NFL total access And just I'll read the tweet here. From NFL Total Access, answering the question of which guy deserves to get a contract extension, I went with Chiefs DL Chris Jones. Though the team not making an offer at $20 per season or more, I don't think he bites before the deadline to do a deal. And Chris Jones replied to this with, or I won't play, at Le'Veon Bell told me about this. Mm. So we'll get into your thoughts, Taylor. But first, I just want to break down for our listeners kind of what the situation is here. So... He's on the franchise tag. He has not signed his franchise tender. There is a July 15th deadline, and that is the deadline for the Chiefs to get a new contract done. So if they want to get an extension done where he's Mm -hmm. not going to play on the tag and he's going to be a Chief into the future, that has to be done in two weeks. It doesn't sound like a whole lot of progress has been made there. I think I'm fairly certain that this also applies to any team that they trade him to which means if they do not trade him in the next two weeks, they are going to get a couple of shitty backup linebackers and like a third round pick for him. If mm-hmm. they do trade him before the season, because that's what the Texans got for Jadavion Clowney when they neither extended yeah. him 
nor traded him prior to the July 15th deadline. And they got like Barkebius Mingo and some other trash. So that's the first date that we kind of need to keep in mind. I and mean, we're going to have a lot of clarity on this situation in two weeks. So the next question is what happens if he doesn't sign the franchise tender? He's been tagged. What happens if he doesn't sign it? So a player can be tagged multiple times. The first two times he tag, he gets paid the average of the top five deals at his position, which right now is like 17 mil for a D, D tackle, I think. Mm-hmm. The third time somebody gets tagged and actually plays on the tag, which I don't think has ever happened in NFL history, he gets paid like a quarterback. So if you're tagging any other position, like if you franchise tag Justin Tucker, the kicker, three times in a row, yeah. the third time you would have to pay Justin Tucker like $30 million a year. <laughs> Might be worth it for Tucker. No, but Sure. Yeah, no, I know. And I mean, no non-quarterback is worth that kind of money, which is why this has never actually happened in NFL history. Why hasn't it happened with a quarterback? Well, it almost did with Kirk Cousins, yeah. right? Like he got right. tagged and played on the tag Twice. two times in a row. Yep. And then I think they finally just decided we're done with you. But they could have kept tagging him. Oh yeah, they could have kept tagging him because so he's can, a quarterback. You can tag I mean, a quarterback indefinitely every yeah, year. I they're surely why don't we just tag Pat every year? Yeah, right. I mean, if you know, it's that the average be... of the top five of the position, it's going to be less than what we'd give him on a long term deal. Well, that's why we wouldn't do it because he would hold out, just like Chris yeah. Jones is threatening to do. Yeah, yeah. So. So for Le'Veon Bell, I I mean, a lot of people obviously are making this comparison, including Chris Jones. So here's the difference between where Chris Jones is right now and where Le'Veon was when he sat out a full year, which by the way, we'll get it. I have some thoughts about that, but but let me, let me finish this thought on the franchise tag. Sure. So if you don't play for the whole year, you don't get an accrued season, which counts towards when you become a free agent. That doesn't matter to Chris Jones, and it doesn't matter to Le'Veon Bell because they're already free agents. If he had mm-hmm. not been franchise tagged, he would have been a free agent, and that was the same deal with Le'Veon Bell. So he doesn't care about getting an accrued season. But what does happen is the tag still counts even if you don't play. So if he sat out a whole year, that burns his first tag. Yep. So the difference between Jones and Bell – is that when Le'Veon got tagged the second time, the year that he sat out, he had already played on the franchise tag the previous year, okay? Mm-hmm. So this was his second tag, which means the, the year after that, the year that he, they let him walk Became and go to jet. the Jets, yeah. he would have, if they had tagged him again, it would have been the QB number. And obviously the Steelers were never going to tag him again because mm-hmm. he just signed the tender play for one year for like $30 million, which would have been impossible because they had, you know, no cap space. So they couldn't do that. I mean, realistically, the Steelers absolutely could not tag him again. So he sat out the whole year and they just did not tag him again. And he became a free agent in order for Chris Jones to get to that point. He would have to sell for two full years because this is his first year on the cap or on the tag. Mm -hmm. So if he sat out this year, the Chiefs could just tag him again next year and he would have to sit out another season, you know, in order to progress to where Le'Veon was. So realistically, our options with Chris Jones right now, I mean, his, his situation right now, he could sit out a whole year, but that's, that's very unlikely to happen because he'd be in the exact same position next year, right? Yeah, like, he's not, not gaining any ground by doing it. And he's not getting paid if he sits out the whole year, right? Like, he, he eats the money. He doesn't get yep. his $17 million. You know, who knows what the free agency situation is going to be like next year? Who knows what the season is going to be like this year? Jeez, so that no seems kidding. pretty unlikely. 
But the, the other deadline to keep in mind is the deadline to sign the franchise tender. So that's week 10. And if you were a fantasy football player when Le'Veon Bell was doing his whole thing with the Steelers, this was like the – there was news every week. Uh-huh. Every week there would be like – He's coming back. Coming back. He's coming back. He's texting his teammates, you know, like he's, he's going to be back this week. He's going to sign his franchise tender. Turns out he didn't. But the hard deadline for him to play this year under the franchise tag is week 10. So if he doesn't sign it by week 10, he, he can't play this year basically assuming we don't get a long-term deal done, which doesn't seem very likely at this point. So those are kind of the deadlines to keep in mind. We'll know more in the next two weeks. Um, But what are your thoughts generally, other than that the situation sucks? The situation sucks. Um, I I do feel that Le'Veon and the Steelers had a more contentious relationship than Jones and the Chiefs. Um, But that feeling is kind of eroding. Like, yeah. I, I used to feel really good about that. I used to think that Chris Jones wanted to be a chief forever. The chiefs wanted Chris Jones to be a chief forever and everything yeah. was happy and they just needed to work a deal out. That was kind of my, you know, sunshine and roses outlook on it. And now, you know, Jones clearly seems upset. Um, the chiefs clearly have not really had much plan on budging. I mean, but it, it's just very, yeah, it sucks. And it's gross. It is gross. Um, fortunately, as a as a straight business Chiefs fan, without thinking about the personal part of Chris Jones, who I love, um, the Chiefs hold a lot more cards in this situation than Jones does, which was not the case, as you just discussed with the Steelers and Bell. He's not going to sit out his age twenty six and age twenty seven years just to no. just to give a middle finger to the Chiefs and then go sign somewhere else. He's not going to do no. That. that would be insane. It would be and insane, and it would ruin his career. Are- his I agents mean, are way smarter than that. Absolutely. Unlike Everyone, Le'Veon's agent. Well, who, right. Yeah. Who actually would advocate something like that. Yeah. But no, it, it's, I think some of it is a little bit of posturing. Some of it is like, you know, if Chris has gone to the negotiating table and the chiefs gave him a hard cap on, on a salary they could give him and he wasn't happy with that, then, you know, his agents might've said like, well, just go bitch about it on Twitter and just go act like you're going to, sit out and you know there could be some posturing here and if that's the case and if that's what he's trying to do to squeeze a little bit more money out of the chiefs or whatever you know play your game that's fine i you're everyone's trying to get their money that's no big deal the chiefs have a cap team they have they're not they're not going to risk any patrick mahomes money to sign chris jones or anything like that they've got their priorities straight if they think they can make it work they'll make it work and if they don't think they can make it work you know chris you were great. You did a lot of great stuff for the chiefs. Go make your money. That's fine. Like they'll let him, they'll trade him and let him walk and everyone will be happy. But obviously as a, as an impact defensive lineman, which is rarer and rarer these days in the NFL, you know, he's probably right now the second best D lineman behind Aaron Donald, give or take, but I mean, yeah, right around there. Yeah. And that's the type of guy that you saw in the Super Bowl, knocking down the passes, uh, you saw how the team struggles when he's out. Um, he's a big, big difference maker. But the biggest difference maker is not Chris Jones. It's Patrick Mahomes. And as long as the Chiefs have him, all the other pieces will just kind of fall into place. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Like I said, we'll get some more clarity here in the next couple of weeks. 
and we will obviously keep you guys updated on that. We'll we'll follow that situation closely and uh, update you on Twitter, and then we'll talk about it on the show next week and the week after that. And yeah, we should be recording two weeks from tonight on the fifteenth. I mean, that'll be an yeah, interesting. That'll um, be an interesting day. Interesting deadline. If if it hasn't come up by then, it'll be more and more likely that. He, that he's not going to be a long-term chief. I mean, you know, if yeah. you don't know anything by then, then it's, it's the worst case scenario. Hopefully, you know, we're breaking some news next Wednesday night that he's signed a awesome five-year deal or something. That'd be great. Before we get into our game recaps, which obviously we're very excited about, I just have to throw some quick digs at Le'Veon Bell because he is <laughs> yeah. giving Chris Jones terrible advice. You must. And I just found this tweet so laughable that we have to talk about it just very briefly on the show. Okay. He quote tweeted somebody. So this whole thing started a bunch of, you know, obviously Chiefs fans in Chris Jones's mentions and he tagged Le'Veon Bell on Twitter. So uh, somebody said, didn't Bell get less than he wanted after sitting out a year with Pittsburgh though? And Le'Veon Bell quote tweeted this person and said, lol, no, silly. I just know what my worth is and how to read and understand contracts. Obviously, people like you never seen an NFL contract or been in the NFL, so you will never understand, and I'm content with that. At Stone Cold Joe's knows what he's doing. Trust. Okay, first of all, that is laughable. Okay, he yeah. did not. he did not get what he wanted, and the idea that he – he knows how to read and understand contracts and therefore his whole plan worked. It didn't work. No. He, he left 14 million guaranteed on the tape, the table by not playing. And then he got essentially the same deal that he was getting from the Steelers from the jets only with less guaranteed money. And he missed out on playing on the cap, which is 14 million in cold, hard cash, which for a running back is a lot of money. So Le'Veon, you don't know what you're talking about. You are a fool. You don't know anything about NFL contracts. Your agent is also a fool. His agent's the one that didn't know that he was eligible for the quarterback tag in his third tag. I know. That's the one like, that had to literally dig through. He went on whatever it was, Twitter. ESPN or wherever. Twitter, yeah, or, or, yeah. I mean, he learned about it on Twitter. Le'Veon did. People I mean, were like, Le'Veon, do you know that you could be eligible? And then he like went to his agent and was like, yo, yeah. all these people, I mean, they're in my mentions. They're saying that you know, that I'm going to get quarterback money. And then his agent's like, uh, hold on. And went and checked. Yeah. So hold I mean, up. Hold up. So I guess if Le'Veon's familiar with one type of person, it's types of people that don't understand NFL contracts. Perfect. Well, hopefully he will not be giving Chris Jones any more contract advice. We just need to keep the two of them far, far apart. So here we are, Taylor. Yeah. We're into the playoffs. Playoffs playoffs <laughs> we are going to talk about playoffs thanks jim mora for that uh enduring meme uh so we're going to talk first about the wild card round that did not involve the chiefs because of the bearded wonder ryan fitzpatrick but we thought it would be fun to just kind of walk through the wild card round you know as we were observing from afar while we were on our bye week before we get into this chiefs texans game so the chiefs is the two seed Thank you again, Ryan Fitzpatrick. We're set to play the highest remaining seed in the playoffs on the second round. And so if the Patriots, who were the three seed, beat the Bills at home, then it would have been Chiefs-Patriots at Arrowhead in a rematch of the 2018 AFC Championship game, only a round earlier. 
Otherwise, the Chiefs are going to play the winner of Texans-Bills. So if the Titans meant, beat the Patriots... Patri- yeah, Titans, Patriots, Chiefs, or Bills, Texans. Got it, got it, yep. Yes, correct. I think I've said if the Patriots beat the Bills at home, but I meant if the Patriots beat the Titans, Titans. Yep. I wrote that wrong in my show notes. That is fine. The AFC games were on Saturday, starting with Bills-Texans in the afternoon. And we don't have to spend a ton of time on this game, but it was kind of an interesting one. I mean, the sense that I got, just my takeaway from this game was... Boy, if the Titans can knock off the Patriots, we're going to we clown. <laughs> we're going to clown whichever team we play next week, whether it's the Bills, whether it's the Texans. Mm-hmm. The Bills got out to a 16, 16 to nothing lead in this game. And yeah. on the first drive, they were cutting the Texans up. Josh Allen caught a touchdown pass mm-hmm. on the first drive of the game. Just a really interesting kind of nice spot. pass by John Brown. Yeah, it was. And just a really interesting surgical kind of drive and they march down the field and they go up seven to nothing. The Texans, as we'll discuss when we get to our game had been very slow starters this whole year until they played us and they were down 16 to nothing. And then they came back and won this game. But to be honest with you, it, it was kind of fluky, right? Like, I mean, it involved Deshaun making some moves and making some plays but this was not a terribly well-played football game by either team. No, it wasn't. And it was, you know, between the Ravens and the Chiefs, you have to be watching this and licking your chops and going, man, if this is this the best you've got, NFL? Yeah. If, if yeah. they're going to send these teams in here, they're going to get steamrolled. And it was um, – it almost went to two overtimes. The game winner by the Texans was kicked with three minutes left in overtime. And – it just didn't really – I was kind of hoping for the Texans because I think that they're the type of team that the Chiefs matched up with a lot better than the Bills, despite the Bills not being a very good team. Um, I just still felt a little bit more comfortable with that type of NFL game than I would have if for sure if the Chiefs had played the Bills. But then again, I was really thinking about who would go on the next week to play the Patriots because I was assuming – as we will just as we will get to that the Patriots were going to take care of the Titans. We were going to get the Patriots. Oh, so I'm sorry. I meant who would go into who Baltimore. would play the Ravens? Who would go yeah. into Baltimore? Because right. I figure if if we get the Patriots, then the better of these teams, I wanted to win to give to have a shot to knock off the Ravens. Of and to me, that was the Texans because they have an actual you know offense and, and quarterback. And it was the it, it. I see. I kind of went a little bit of a different way with it though, because the Texans got absolutely demolished by the Ravens in the regular season, and the yes. Bills played them pretty close. Yeah, true. So the the Texans played the Ravens in week. 11 and they lost 41 to 16. Yeah, it was 41 to seven. I was looking at that. The first downs, it was 41 to seven. The, the Texans scored seven points and they gave up 41 points. Not good. It's not good at all. And they were coming off of their bye week. So (laughs) I was kind of, you know, I kind of was hoping that if we were to play the Patriots, that it would be, you know, it would be Ravens bills and it would be just like a weird, ugly, physical, low scoring game which is actually what we got. Yeah. It just was the Titans instead yeah, of the Bills. Different jerseys, yeah. Yeah. So we don't have to spend a whole yeah. lot more time on that I'm game because that game. we have to talk about Patriots-Titans, a game mm. that brought us both just a tremendous amount of pleasure. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, Mike Vrabel going into Foxborough. He pulled the hilarious penalty punting fourth down shenanigans that the NFL has since wiped from the rule book where you can just let the clock tick off after a penalty. And then, 
so down to five minutes left in the game and then the timing rules that changed. So he kind of pulled a Bill Belichick on his old coach there, which was fun. And Belichick had actually done the same thing to the Jets earlier in the year. Yeah. A little chess match there. Um, very, very just a, a fun. Anytime the Patriots lose in the playoffs, everyone has fun. It's It's just a good time all around. And this was kind of, you know, the Patriots were reeling. They were, even though they were 12 and four, they had lost to Miami. They were playing on, on wildcard weekend for the first time in forever. And they just, they didn't have that Patriots, you know, special sauce, the stuff that they had had for 20 years before that. Um, and just to be able to see Derrick Henry just clobber these fools. Absolutely. I mean, they couldn't, couldn't stop that guy at all. Uh, he had 182 yards rushing. Yeah, it was just a very, um, very fun game as a team that really, really needed the Patriots to be knocked off. We got exactly what we were looking for. Yeah, it was a fun result. The game was fun because of what happened in it. But, you know, the the Patriots plan, I guess, kind of worked. I mean, Derrick Henry ran up and down on them, but until Tom Brady threw a pick six on the final pass yeah. as a Patriot that he threw <laughs> as a Patriot before that, I mean, you know, they'd held them to what? 13 points. Yeah, it was 14, 13, 14, 14, 13 at that point. Um, and you know, it came down to just as it had when they played the chiefs in Foxborough, when uh, obviously they, at least they had the lead against Miami and then the defense threw it away. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it came down to the Patriots offense with time, Having the ball. I mean, you know, and I'm sure I don't remember the exact play by play, but I'm sure every person in that stadium and I'm sure whoever was doing color commentary for that game, you know, was talking about I think it was Romo, actually. Uh, I'm sure was talking about the number of times that Tom Brady has led game winning drives in the playoffs. You know, like here it is. This is Tom's moment. You know, here. Here we go. And his first play of the final drive, his first pass just gets picked by Logan Ryan who takes it right back into the end zone. But to be fair, so they first got the ball back. They got the ball back three times in the fourth quarter down. And the first time they couldn't do anything and they punted. And then the, the Titans bled off about six minutes of the clock and punted right back to them. And then really where they, where they screwed it up was with four minutes to go. And the Patriots had the ball on their own 11 down one with four minutes. And uh, after a 20 yard pass to James White, it went six yards, incomplete, incomplete punt. So they punted back to the Titans with three minutes to go down one and Derrick Henry on the field. It just didn't, that was where it, on fourth and four from the 37, everyone was kind of like, well, well yeah, why would you, you know, if you trust your team here, you got to go for that. So then the Titans bled off three minutes of the clock there with Derrick Henry. And then right. they punted it. Brett Kern, place the ball at the one yard line with 15 seconds left. So even though Brady's final pass was from his own one and a pick six with 15 seconds left. Yeah. I mean, he I wasn't going to, they weren't going to go. They weren't even going to go 40 yards in 15 seconds, let alone 99. But um, it was just a very, very crazy, crazy night where as chiefs fans were watching this game. And as soon as the dust settles here on the end of Saturday night, we're going, Oh my God, we're going to, we're going to host the Texans. Yep. That's insane. You know, it's going to be, it's going to be Titans Ravens on the other side, probably the Ravens. And we'll probably have to go to the Ravens next week, but we've got the Texans at home instead of the Patriots. We are winning that game. 
total confidence. And I think this is actually when we bought our tickets was yes, as soon as was. we knew it was that it was going to be the Texans. <laughs> you know, we were thinking, hey, well, this is a laugher. You know, we, we skipped out on, we went to the, the Colts game. Yeah. The two of us attended that in person, his yep. Patrick Mahomes first home playoff game. And we skipped out on the AFC championship game in the 2018 season. And thankfully it's good that we avoided that. Let's just say that. Better pill to swallow. Yeah. And I I can't speak for you, but I'm sure the conversation that we had was, well, you know, I mean, do we want to go to this probable chiefs Patriots game? And I, I mean, you know, this was all kind of last minute because obviously the chiefs didn't even know that they were going to have a buy until week 17, you know, when Miami knocked off the Patriots. Yeah. It all happens really fast in the playoffs. And so I think this night after, you know, Saturday night, after the Patriots were knocked off by the Titans, we're thinking, all right, Hmm. I mean, this is, we can do this, right? Like this is the Texans. This will be a fun game. It'll be a laugher. So we knew that it was going to be the Texans. We bought our tickets for this game. We've talked about this on the podcast before, but just to, to bring everybody up to speed. Uh, I live in Colorado now. So this was a game where I thought, well, you know, Chiefs playoff football, Patrick Mahomes, we got our bye week, you know, we're playing the Texans. This is going to be a fun game to watch. Let's, let's see, you know, see about tickets, see about flights. So I ended up getting some cheap airfare on frontier. They do, you know, flights from Denver to Kansas city a couple times a week, flying out on Sunday morning, flying back on Sunday night, right. Bought our tickets for the upper deck, you know, whole thing ran us, uh, probably ran me three, $400, something like that. 400 sounds about right. Totally reasonable, or so it seems. <laughs> and I got to say, you know, I arrived. I had a great flight. They were making yeah. jokes. The flight attendant said, you know, raise your hand if you're a Texans fan. And one guy raised his hands. He said, she said, there's the exit, sir. <laughs> you know, like pointing him to the, the exit window. Uh, he wishes he took her up on it. Flight attendant had jokes. Everybody on the plane was wearing Chiefs gear, which was great because I was coming from Denver. I mean, like, it was a Mm -hmm. very fun atmosphere, you know, to be wearing my Chiefs jersey in DIA back when you could fly places Ah. and, you know, running into Chiefs fans everywhere and just like, here we go. So we get to the stadium. It was a fun drive to the stadium. You and I were hyped. I mean, it was, you know, all systems go. All systems go. We got our Jimmy John's on. Yeah. We're just going to plug all these brands, see if maybe we can get some more. <laughs> uh, it was Subway, buddy. Oh, it was Subway because the Jimmy it was John's Subway in the Walmart. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Because Jimmy John's was closed for some unknown reason. It's horrible. <laughs> anyway, don't sponsor us, Jimmy John's. Yeah, right. Sponsor us, Subway. You're dead. You're dead. We're like community. We're going to rename our podcast to Subway. Yeah, perfect. That, yeah, it's always Subway and Chiefs Kingdom. <laughs> Uh, it'll be great. So we get to the stadium, you know, we go through our whole ritual. We have to park at Arrowhead, which was obviously Ugh. as always a nightmare. It gives me anxiety just thinking about it. So we're settling in for this game and I got to tell you, I felt pretty good about how this game was going to start. Why did I think that Taylor? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but I mean, you agreed with everyone else in the stadium. Everyone felt good about the game. It was, it, it was that atmosphere. It was, it was Chiefs playoff atmosphere, and but it wasn't Chiefs of old playoffs. This was Pat Mahomes Chiefs playoffs. This was like everyone was going into this fired up. Well, I was fired up because the Texans were not a fast starting team. Yeah. Like I was expecting the Chiefs to come into this game and start hot 
And the Texans, as they had against the Bills and they had against literally everyone mm-hmm. the entire year, start slow. The Texans did not have a single opening drive touchdown the entire year. Is that right? They did not have a road first quarter touchdown all, all season long. And they had not had an opening drive touchdown in their nine previous playoff games. So, like, the history of the team and the team that year, they just didn't get out to a fast start until they did. You know, before we get into the start of the game, we should talk about the only negative coming into this game, which was that the Chiefs, despite having a bye, somehow ended up less healthy Ugh. than they had been we when they ended the game. Again? Yeah, we do. We have to talk about Chris Jones again, who was hurt. Chris Jones somehow got injured yeah, on the bye, week the bye week and could not play in this game. Travis Kelsey also got injured during the bye week, yeah. but did suit up. And fortunately, hamstring, right? I think. Yeah, looked yeah. completely fine. I think he uh, maybe tweaked his knee, whatever it was. More than fine. He had the best game of his career. So this game starts off with the Texans getting the ball. They they took they won the coin toss and they decided they to, to take the ball. To, to get the ball. And no, most of the time you want the second half receiving because you can double up and you can score at the end of the first and then get the ball to start the second. No, they, they got the ball first and uh, you know, they, after hitting Will Fuller on a, on a third and eight or so, they marched down to about the, their own 46 and they had third down and it was a short third down and they kind of faked a bubble screen, which, the entire chief secondary bid on, I guess we had scouted out and they threw a lot of bubble screens to the outside. And it was something that we felt like when we saw it, we knew exactly what they were going to do. And then we Kenny stills got wide open over the top and it was a walk-in touchdown from about the 30 out and the chiefs were, uh, they were in the hole. And then the chiefs get the ball. And of course we're thinking, well, okay, they put a touchdown on the board, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Not that big we score deal. touchdowns all the time. We score touchdowns for days. Yeah. Not a big deal. Let's get us the ball. So the Chiefs get the ball back. We run a run, which I hated. You know, a little run behind the left guard for three yards. Right. Then there's a false start. So already it's second and seven. Then we get uh, another little pass. It's third and six. Patrick Mahomes has Travis Kelsey for the first down. Mm. And he drops it. And what a what a bad time for the first gaff of the game. Closely followed by the second gaff of the Ugh. game, which was Dustin Colquitt attempting to punt, and it was blocked by the aforementioned Barkidius <laughs> Mingo. Who they got who, in the clowny Who would have thought? I did not plan this. Nice. That we're, we're this is like the Barkidius Mingo episode. Mm-hmm. Blocks the punt, recovered by Lonnie Johnson, and they take it in for a touchdown. So now suddenly it's fourteen to nothing. Not even five minutes into the game. And I can tell you the atmosphere. I mean. You could hear a pin drop. Yeah. It it was just shock because obviously we came in expecting a laugher. And, you know, we at least thought, okay, well, you know, whatever. You you got a busted play for a big touchdown on the first drive. Whatever. We're going to come back and score. Not only did we not score, they scored on us. The worst case scenario in the Patrick Mahomes era is a shootout loss. That's the yes. worst case scenario. They they never get blown out. They never look outclassed from start to finish. That's just not something that's in this Chiefs team's DNA. But with the demons of Chiefs playoff past lurking in and all the, you know, everyone in that stadium had the giant monkey on their back, just like Andy Reid, just like Chiefs brass, everyone. 
it was a, and, and it got heavier and heavier. And with that blocked punt, you're sitting there going, all right, I know it's early, but two touchdowns is a lot to overcome in the NFL. It is a, it is a sizable hole. So chiefs are like, that's fine. Look, we got the best offense in football. We're going to come out. Boom. We hit Tyree kill for 17 yards. Boom. We hit Travis Kelsey for five yards. Things are looking great. Right. And then an incomplete pass on a really nice sideline route by Damian Williams. It was, it was a tough window to knock it in, but Pat almost hit it. And then he gets Kelsey over the middle for five and it's third and five. And you're thinking, all right, they're at about midfield. They're at the Houston 45. They're just going to march right down. And after they complete this little crosser Demarcus Robinson, and it hits his back shoulder and he drops it. So now after a, crucial third down drop that led to a blocked punt touchdown in the first drive the second drive after the offense is cooking pretty well they cut half the field in no time and then another drop on third down punt back to the texans with a 14-0 lead with seven minutes to go and everyone in the stadium so it kind of turned for me from pin drop from like quiet to like angry Oh, like at that sure. point with the, with the D-Rod drop, everyone was, you know, they were booing the Chiefs. That was probably the first time that we got legitimately mad. Fans are yelling at each other in the yes. in the stadium. Oh, you know, sure. some of them are saying, it's fine, shut up. And other ones are, oh, we're screwed. You know, I mean, it's a it, it becomes like this hive of disappointment and anger. And it only got worse from there. There's nothing more frustrating than watching a team, when your team is good, watching your team beat itself yes and play play with mistakes and it doesn't get any worse it literally was like i mean you could not script a more frustrating start it's one thing to be down 14 to nothing but for a busted coverage to lead to the first touchdown a long touchdown and then a special teams error which leads to a block punt for touchdown and then two drives that had some promise with perfectly placed balls. I mean, you could not mm-hmm. hand the ball to them in more perfect position. The the chiefs receivers, Kelsey, Pat was on, Rob, he was on, he was on. And then to just have them drop the ball. I mean, it was, I'm getting angry just <laughs> thinking about it. I'm getting all fired up just thinking about it. Yeah. And then the Texans get the ball back. Mm-hmm. They're driving, they get to midfield and third and 11, Frank Clark puts Deshaun Watson in the ground with mm-hmm. the sack huge clutch play and huge. and at this point it's only 14 to nothing yep and again you're thinking well this is this is the momentum shifter yep. like yes we made some stupid mistakes we haven't scored that we spotted them 14 points but we just stopped them and here we go well and you know who else thought it was the momentum shifter was andy reed because who did he put back there to return exactly the he put Tyreek back there because he's thinking they're going to punt. They're going to have to punt us the ball. I'm, I want my most explosive player out there. We're going for a big play. And, and of course, of course, Tyreek muffs the punt and they take it into the end zone two plays later. Yeah. He muffs it at the six, you know, I mean, that's yeah, at the they, six. Th- so there are three drives drives in quotes was a busted play 50-yard touchdown, a blocked punt touchdown, and a drive that starts at the four or the six or whatever. I mean, it yeah, was – Yeah, the six. They, they absolutely were gifted three touchdowns. Gifted. There was yes. no out-executing. I mean, obviously there was. But this was not, you know, can't stop these guys and they're blowing us up on defense. And they're – you know, the Texans were basically just there to participate. And we were just handing them touchdowns. Yeah, every single drive on either side of the ball – 
was completely Chiefs botched by the Chiefs. Yeah, yes. it was just botched a total job. botched job. Total <laughs> botched job. Botched toe. Ugh. That that is how the Chiefs were playing for sure. It was a total botched job. So now it's twenty-one to nothing, and I can tell you the the level of anger was really starting to ratchet up. Right, like it, this this was the point where not only was it extremely frustrating to watch, but it also was getting to the point where it was like, Oh, we're going to lose. Yeah. yeah. Like not only, not yeah. only is it, it's making me angry to watch the team drop the ball and, you know, blow coverages and, and muff, muff the punt, you know, and suck at football. But like now I'm pissed. Cause like, we're going to go home. Like we just waited the whole year, uh-huh. get into the playoffs and uh-huh. make it to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. And we're going to go home in the first round because we can't catch the ball on third down and we can't catch the ball on a punt in the first quarter. This in is how you felt quarter. in the first quarter. Oh my God. It was, it was a monumental hill to overcome mountain to overcome. It was just absolutely um, the, the, the D Ford offsides and leaving the, the year before knowing that the chiefs were good enough to win the super bowl, but didn't get there. And then all the stuff we've talked about in all of our recaps, losing the MVP to a knee injury that we thought was going to knock him out all year. He comes back three games later, still winning 12 games, miraculously getting the bye week, all of these Hollywood Disney storylines that lined up that said the chiefs are going to win the super bowl. And then, to have a an easy opponent come into Arrowhead and the Chiefs just shoot themselves in the foot not once, not twice, not three times, but six times in the first quarter was yeah. just – everyone was just talking – it was a joke. It was a sick joke that this team that had, you know was one and eight in their last nine home playoff games couldn't even beat this team that has never gotten out of the division round in their franchise history. It Ugh. was – it was a, a lousy, horrible atmosphere. And I'll tell you what it felt like – Another game that went down in Kansas City sports lore huh. that you and I both attended, <laughs> which was the 2014 wildcard game. I've made many comparisons between this game and that game Where for obvious reasons. The Royals had not been to the playoffs for 30 years, <laughs> and they finally, quote, unquote, made the playoffs to get into a playing game which in baseball is ridiculous. Obviously football is a single elimination, but this, this isn't really even the playoffs. It wasn't right. even in October. It was on September 30th. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fans right? don't even consider the wild card game to be part of the playoffs. Cause you don't get a series. You don't get a series in and very similarly, like the expectations going to that game were so high and same kind of deal. Like you've played 162 games or you played 16 games. You, you have sat through months and months of rooting for this team and your expectations are so high. And then it's just, you know, your Dono Ventura comes in and gives up a three-run home run to Brandon Moss. Or yeah. Tyreek Hill muffs a punt and you're down 21 to nothing. Like, it just feels – it's the worst – it's honestly the worst feeling in sports, in sports I think. Yep. I, 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 oh, I agree. To have, I agree. to have so much anticipation. Other than if there was, like, a young superstar athlete that tragically died. I mean, you know, there are worse feelings yeah. as far as, like, empathy-wise sure. and stuff. But as a fan, if you're talking purely watching my team and purely from yeah, a game sports experience. perspective, game experience, having a high expectation and then losing because your team is just can't even – can't even bring their D game to the field is, is excruciating. 
And the Chiefs did not bring their D game to the field. They're playing their F minus game at this point. They get the ball back down 21 to nothing and they go three and out. Ugh. They, they get the ball at their 19 and they, you know, this is something too, obviously we're, we're going to see this turn around on the next drive, but the chiefs kept trying to return the ball. And mm-hmm. this is something when we talked about this in our recap, there was a point early in the season where people were calling for Dave Tobe to be fired yep. because every single time we brought the ball out of the end zone, either we were getting tackled at the 15 or we were yeah. fumbling the ball. Well, McCole Hardman fumbled this ball and then picked it up. Like he and, muffed the catch on the kickoff. And picked it up and still only made it back to the Kansas city 19, right? Like at this point, it's kind of like one of those things with passer rating where it's like, if you throw the ball into the ground, you know, every time it's like 39.5, 39. you, you have yeah. to like be even worse than that to get to zero. Yeah. The Chiefs were like our passer rating in this game was a zero basically. It's, like, it's yeah. like we are going above and beyond to create negative plays for ourselves, bringing yeah. the ball out and getting tackled short of where we would have been if we had just taken a knee, fumbling the ball, putting ourselves in this excruciating hole. So the ball's at the Kansas city 19 yeah. and the chiefs go incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete. And pass. those incompletes were a Damian Williams drop, a Demarcus Robinson drop, and then Tyree kill getting double covered blown up in the secondary and being down for a couple minutes before he got up. And the chiefs were looking at punting from their own 19 down 21, nothing with a minute left in the first quarter. And maybe Tyree kill being hurt. I mean, <laughs> I mean, just, and no Chris Jones, <laughs> and I mean, it was as, as win, if win expectancy, you know, if that's your, your end all be all, as far as how the game is going, this was a hundred percent win expectancy for Houston at this point. Well, not quite mathematically, know, but, but emotionally a hundred percent. So Houston's win expectancy, I actually do have this handy after the end of the first quarter, uh, by Lee Sharp's metric, and mm-hmm. he does does uh, does it a little bit differently. People calculate Lynn expectancy a little bit differently, but the Chiefs came into this game. So when they kicked off, yeah, his model had the Chiefs with a win probability of eighty three percent. Oh, before the game was even eighty three seventeen. Yeah, eighty three percent. I know eighty three. Yeah, eighty three for the Chiefs to seventeen yeah. percent for the Texans. Oof. And at the end of the first quarter, the Chiefs' win probability was at thirty two. Wow, that's high. I know. It's high. <laughs> 21 nothing without the ball it at the end felt, of the first quarter. It felt like it didn't feel like zero because it's still Patrick Mahomes and it's still the Chiefs. But it was low. And it what got was our lower. conversation, Austin. What were you and I talking about? So we were talking about leaving the game. And I listen, I know that there are a lot of fans out there who would never leave a game early. And I give you all the props in the world. I respect the hell out of that decision. However, you and I have both left games early. And I think our attitude towards it is fairly similar. My attitude towards it is this. I, I don't want to leave a game that I feel like is still in the balance yep. where the team can come back and win. Yep. But if there is no possibility of the team coming back and win and I'm having a shitty day and I was yeah. having a very shitty day, right? it's like, I don't want to subject myself to that. No. Like I, I just want to pull the plug on that. I want to walk away. Fine. And to be honest with you, I've been burned by that a handful of times in my life, never with a playoff game because I wouldn't, 
I mean, this was what made the conversation unique. It's not that we were talking about leaving a game early. We were talking about leaving a playoff game early. <laughs> that like, you flew in that morning that for. That I flew in that morning <laughs> for, that we had invested yeah. a couple hundred dollars, dollars on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was how bad it was. There's a, there's a bell curve for leaving early, right? Yes. There are the super yes. casual fans that aren't really into the game, that the moment someone says, are you ready to go, they're like, yeah, get me out of here. Like they're just, yeah. you know, not really. And then sure. I got my nachos. I got yeah, my beer. You know, I'm I had good. some fun. We, I'm wasted right now or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave. And then there's the fans that are pretty into the game and they're, they're, they're into the game, but it doesn't hurt their soul to watch their team lose, yes. you know? So where they're like, I'd never leave a chiefs game. Are you kidding me? It's the chiefs. I gotta be here. Like, that's fine. But like, then there's the other end of the bell curve where I would proudly put you and I, where it's like, look, this is ripping my heart up. This is yeah. like the worst experience that I've had as a person in a really long time. And I do not care to be here. That is right. like, you know, so there are two reasons to leave. One is that you don't care at all. And the other is that you care too much. <laughs> you care too much. That is our, that is our state as fans for sure. So the, the conversation at the end of the first quarter was how, how long do we stick this out? How long do we give the Chiefs to turn this thing around and pull their heads out of their butts and start playing like the Kansas City Chiefs, like champions play? And the Texans, champions play? Yeah. <laughs> the Texans gave us a little bit of an opening on this first drive of the second quarter because they got the ball down to the Kansas City 13. And they had fourth and one. And they called a timeout. And I read after the game, you know, Bill O'Brien was asked about the situation. And he basically said, we didn't have a play. We didn't, we didn't have a play to convert yeah. on fourth and one. We didn't think we'd ever face a fourth and one situation in this game. Which is an insane situation. It almost has to be a lie. It almost has to be a lie. But like, why would you lie? You're the, you're the <laughs> offensive play caller. Like, <laughs> who are you saving yeah, with that lie? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make you. You're the look GM, good. the head coach. You're everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make you look good to lie about that. But you know, I mean, contrast that with the Chiefs, who who ran you know uh, Rose Bowl right parade in the Super Bowl on fourth and one, and had a play called for the last drive of the game where they, where Damian was ruled in, but they had a fourth and goal play. They always ready. have a play. Like they, they have plays for every single situation. And they've been practicing that they've been practicing Rose bowl every week for well, their professionals. When they, this is what you do. Bowl. Yeah. How could you not have a play for the only job that you have? So the Texans kicked a field goal from fourth and one on the 13, which as as any person who has even a passing interest in analytics will tell you is just an absurd situation. Basically a negative play for them. So it wasn't quite a negative play, but their win expectancy or our win expectancy before uh, that drive or before that drive ended was 30%. They kicked the field goal and we're down to 16%. Ah, gotcha. Okay. So we bought them out here at 16%. Yeah, it is a big drop, but Think of what that drop would have been if they had scored a touchdown. I mean, oh, I like not a big drop. Yeah, yeah you're right. Exactly. I mean, right. it was yeah. they I mean, kicked the field goal and you know thirty to fourteen. Meh. Like that's they didn't they didn't break our backs like they would have with a touchdown. Yeah, you I know, mean, on fourth yeah. and one when you're up twenty one nothing in the playoffs, you go for the throat. You don't need three points there. You need to break them. Which is exactly what they tried to do here in a minute. Which, and they got broken. <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
So they kick a field goal. And I won't say that that was like a cause for celebration. It wasn't. But we literally, prior to them kicking the field goal, like during that timeout, I think is when we had the conversation. Like if they go for it here and they convert a touchdown and we're down 28 to nothing with, you know, five minutes into the second quarter, like we're, we're out, we're done. Yep. So by not going for it and by kicking the field goal, they at least kept us in the game. It was in the a seats. sigh of relief. It was. It was. It was to see the kicker even trot out there. We were just like, all right, we their first three previous drives, we had let up touchdowns. So like at least a field goal is a win in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. And this was a uh, a pivotal moment. This is kind of the first turning point, obviously yeah. the kicking the field goal and then the kickoff itself. Yep. So the Chiefs did a fun little series uh, where they did kind of a watch party for a lot of these games. And I just rewatched that in preparation for this episode. And I guess the the special teams guys were lobbying Dave Tobe to run this specific return that they were. Interesting. Hadn't seen I don't know how many different types of returns we run. I would really like to talk to a special teams coach sometime to just kind of, you know, like how many plays do you have? Because when I load up Madden, <laughs> it's three. Tell you there's return three. left, return middle, return yeah. right. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Left, middle, right. So yeah. whatever they had kind of schemed up here, this was something where the players were kind of lobbying for it. And it was a specific design, I guess, to try and get a big return. Like they were going, the Chiefs were kind of going for a home run ball. Neat. Like I'm sure they were when they were down 14 to nothing and they put Tyreek back there to field the punt. Except this time, Taylor, this time it actually worked. And McCall Hardman broke one. So then we get the first actual positive good thing that's ever happened in our lives. Right. Yeah. Now. Yeah. And that's what it felt like for sure. <laughs> it did. And McCall Hardman just, you know, finds a seam up the middle. Jim Nance gets fired up and it looks like he's going to take it to the house, but they had a really good angle on him and they end up, they push him out at the 42 by a, by a millimeter. And then he kind of takes it another 20 yards up the sideline. And, and the crowd as a person that was there, like you were the, the difference that that play made in the crowd was probably bigger than any single play in the rest of the game. I mean, yeah. it was, it was this like release of tension and like, you know, we, we were just thinking as fans, like, all right, Pat's got the ball in plus territory down 24 with there's still 10 minutes to go in the second quarter. So there's still, you know, 40 minutes of the game left and it's on. Yeah. I mean, the, the point was that, I mean, it was the first good thing that had happened in the entire game. Yeah. But there was so much time left. So much. I mean, time. it was like you're thinking, well, we got we twenty four point deficit, but like we've got almost three full quarters to erase this, and yeah, and we score you know, we thirty got, and forty regularly. Yeah, exactly. So you're just thinking, well, I mean, the defense is going to have to step up, and we're going to have to, you know, keep making but plays on special teams. But the defense didn't even need to step up. They they had one bad play, and it was the blown coverage, and the rest of that was all on the offense and the special teams. Yeah, I'm just saying they needed to keep them off the scoreboard. I know, I know. But I just mean that, like, you know, as as far as how we were feeling, the difference between how this game got to 24 to nothing and how most games would get there is yes. night and day. It That's was true. absolutely – because you're not going to make those mistakes all game. You're just not. There's just no – so many of those mistakes are fluky, blocked punts and drop passes and stuff that when you're a team as good as the Chiefs are, you know, you give them enough time and they're going to turn it around and – Fortunately, the Texans gave them plenty of time. Boy, did we ever turn it around. So this was the start. McColl's big run back. Yeah. And immediately, 
the Chiefs score like immediately. Two plays. And <laughs> yeah. Two plays. Yeah. Into the end zone, and here we are. I mean, you know, then it was like, okay, all the tension pretty much is off. I mean, it's twenty-four to seven. Man, it felt like it was tied though, right? It felt like all the momentum was back on our side. And we obviously, we've talked about how much I hate that word. Yeah, yeah. Momentum, I don't believe in it. I it's don't an think emotion. It's an emotion. And certainly for players, I mean, like you, we've seen this and all the mic'd up and all the sideline footage and everything like that. You know, Pat saying like, they're already counting us the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, right, like, right, let's right. go do something special. Same thing he was saying in the Super Bowl. Same, same theme. You know, like here we, here we, let's, let's do it. People are counting us out. And I guess we should take this opportunity to just talk about what a hero Patrick Mahomes is like a, a real life, yeah. a real life fictional character. Like, uh-huh. you know, like this is how, this is how he would be written in the movie of this, except it actually happened. Like it's actually 24 to nothing. This was real life. The chiefs were down 24 to nothing. And their star quarterback was on the sidelines like Fire. you know like hey guys they're they're counting us out like let's yeah. let's do something special like literally we might hollywood well would reject that script in the game yeah they would it's too contrived but yep. it actually did happen yep. so it's 24 to 7 and you want to talk about momentum <laughs> swings boy yeah i mean this, this is as good this as it gets this i mean is, we drafted I, this in our you know biggest non-pat plays of the year what happened yeah this drive and and just as far as the the feeling in the in the crowd was night and day. So, Chiefs score, kick it back off. Um, the the Texans hilariously run twice with Carlos Hyde and get six yards. And then on third and four, um, Deshaun Watson basically spikes it into the ground. He was going short left and it had no shot at getting anywhere. He had a lot of pressure on there from Clark and Passanio, and it goes nowhere. And so, the Texans line up from their own thirty one. The previous drive, they had the ball fourth and one at the 13 of the Chiefs, and they decided <laughs> to play conservative and kick the field goal. And as soon as they played uh, conservative, the Chiefs put the pressure back on them. So, I mean, I know people talk about this play call as being, you know, opposite of their last play of their last drive, but I like to think that Bill O'Brien at least saw a little bit of writing on the wall here. He felt the buzz in the atmosphere. He knew that if he doesn't do what he the mistake that he made previously which was play conservative and it cost him if he if he keeps coaching like that he's going to get burnt so he decides on fourth and four from the 31 with the chiefs having all the momentum in the world that they're going to run a little justin reed direct snap on the punt and they take way too long to get the play going they they line up with the punt and as Romo and and all Jay Feely and all those guys were saying, if they just snap it right away, you've always got the element of the surprise on the quick snap. It's just very hard for the defense to look at what you're doing and figure stuff out. But they didn't. They let the clock bleed all the way down the play clock. And Romo posited that maybe they were waiting for like a thumb up, thumb down, like looking at the defense and seeing if they actually wanted to run it. Either way, they ran it. And our man, Dirty Dan, had that shit on lockdown. Reed went to the right. Dan went right with him, got him for a two-yard gain on fourth and four, and that place was a nuclear explosion. Yeah, and I mean, it was a great tackle one-on-one. It I mean, was it was a great play. Incredible tackle. But he just, like, he he still had to make the play. Yes. But he read it all the way. Like, it, yes. was, it was obvious to Romo, and a lot of things are obvious to Romo. <laughs> but, yeah. like, it was so obvious to, to Dan – 
that it was going to be a fake. And he talked about this on the, the watch party. Um, mm-hmm. He was on, you know, kind of just with BJ and Mitch and, you know, said like, I mean, you know, this is something obviously that we, we practice for, but you know, like you see him just kind of creeping out there and it's yep. like, I, I got my eyes on him the whole time. You have to have football and instincts. The second the ball is snapped, you know, like he's got the ball. I, I go to the ball and I make the play. And he did, he obviously, he did Tyron's celebration, the I'm yes. too smart, Point you know, to tapping head. his head, yep. which was hilarious yep. for, you know, Dirty Dan Sorensen, who's a very <laughs> blue collar, you know, kind of do uh-huh. your job kind of player. Uh, uh-huh. who would be, to celebrate. Yeah, yeah exactly. To, to make that play in that situation. And, you know, he played 100% of the snaps in this game on and we needed every one of them. on special teams yes. and made this play. And then the next one. The yeah. next one. Well, I also want to just point out that if you're going to have a fake like that where you're going to get the ball to somebody and have them try and make a move, you probably want a guy that handles the ball a lot or at yeah. least is familiar with kind of running away from defenders and stuff like that. You know, they snap this Breaking to tackles. and. Yeah. And regardless of his athletic ability, it's just not the same as if they had done this to like a running back or a, or a you know a wide receiver, just anyone that is used to having that ball and used to running away from people because safeties aren't; they're used to hitting people. And it was uh, it was a matchup that Justin Reed versus Dan Sorensen in the open field. Whoever has the ball there is going to lose. If Sorensen yeah, had the ball, right. was trying to get ta- you know trying to get by Justin Reed, oh, my money would tackled. be on Reed. Yeah, yeah. right. Because the sure. guy that professionally tackles is going to beat the guy that doesn't do that. So yeah. it was just a just a weird, <laughs> weird call, and it boy, did it burn him in a hurry because now the Chiefs, for the second consecutive drive, have the ball in plus territory to start the drive, and that is a recipe for disaster. Now, Taylor, if uh, Patrick Mahomes gets the ball in plus territory, is that something that is the Texans, is that something that you want to do? Because that, that doesn't seem like something <laughs> that you want bad. to do. It doesn't real, seem like a – plus EV strategy. No, never mind the fact that every down and distance is plus territory for Pat, but um yeah, this is a this is a losing formula right here. Now the Chiefs did uh they did throw three straight incomplete passes, but the second of those was a penalty on Lonnie Johnson, 28 yards defensive pass interference. Poor Lonnie and, Johnson. And yeah, boy did he get picked on in this game. But you know, that's the kind of mistake though that you make when hey we're up 24 to nothing and now suddenly they have the ball in our territory Mm -hmm. you know they're driving Mm -hmm. you know it's Patrick Mahomes I matched up on all pro tight end Travis Kelsey like what what are you going to do in that situation like you can't help as a defensive player or an offensive player like you could see the Texans beginning with this play (laughs) by Lonnie Johnson which was a bad play bad just to to start pressing which yep. is weird to see when the team is up 24 to seven and you know, momentum isn't real, but like ah, pressure is real. Pressure and, is real. And, and the way that, yeah, yeah. They were feeling it hard and it was kind of like, you know, the whole thing about the chiefs were supposed to win that game. They were huge favorites and all that stuff. And you could tell that the chiefs for whatever reason, because of the results on the field were pressing early and then they got down and then the team that's up 24 nothing thinks well we have to win this game now we have to win it. and the moment they sense that they might let a gigantic playoff lead slip away you know we've been on the other side of that coin way too many times and the the way that the Texans started to tighten up 
you could just you could just feel it. Um, Lonnie Johnson was the one that had to make the tackle on the McCole Hardman kick return, and he tweaked his something in his lower body and was out for a couple plays. And Travis Kelsey ate up whoever he replaced. He was already in for two injured linebackers already, so they were already extremely thin at linebacker and newsflash you're not going to beat Travis Kelsey with the best linebackers let alone your third and fourth string linebackers so yeah especially not if you're the Texans it's not like the Seahawks <laughs> yeah. that we're talking about yes. here like this when you're is already a bad defense yeah so yeah. you know the bad second one was... linebackers yeah. and then their backups <laughs> are even worse because they couldn't beat the bad linebackers yeah, I mean, out for just... a job yeah mm. so Lonnie Johnson didn't really ever have a chance but boy did the Chiefs pick on that which is what you absolutely have to do and Kelsey turned in the best game of his career which at the end of it will summarize his stat line but after the 28 yard pass interference down to the five um, Pat hits Kelsey for the first touchdown of Kelsey's day and now it's more than just a game you and I are sitting there and basically talking about what we're going to do next week when we play. I mean, it was yeah. a, you know, we were hugging. We were saying, all right, this team is so, so screwed. The Texans are that, yeah. you know, I mean, at this point, that it might as well have been 100 to 14 Chiefs because there was no turn back. Yeah, really in the course of, you know, three plays, the return and then the uh, the score and then the, the the fourth down conversion. I mean, in, in the span of like a minute and a half of game time, yeah. we yeah. went from thinking like, we're going to leave this game because this is the worst experience we've <laughs> ever had. And boy, have we had some bad experiences yeah. as Chiefs fans. Yeah. Our last playoff game before we was the Colts game. But then before that, I mean, you know, two playoff games ago, we had gone to that horrible Titans game, which <sighs> I think every time we talk about it, we agree never to speak of it again. Yeah, what somehow. is the deal? We gotta, we gotta Somehow keep I keep promise. bringing it up. <laughs> so in the span of, you know, a minute and a half of game time, we went mm-hmm. from thinking like, this is, this is like the darkest timeline to, Oh, okay. Oh. Like we're, we're going to ball or we're going to Baltimore, you know, next yeah. week. And no, we knew, we knew. In this yeah, game. we knew that they right. lost That's the right. night before. So we, when we started this game, we were already one of the remaining three teams in the AFC, which was insane to know that, already we were looking at one step away from a home AFC championship game that gave the crowd some extra juice as well. Just knowing what was on the line, knowing that it was the six seed Titans that would have been on the other side and not the one seed Ravens on the road. And it was, it was nuts. And we'll recap that game next week, but the, the momentum shift was real. The chiefs were winning this game and we were convinced that they they were winning this game. And then of course, (laughs) just in total fulfillment, of you know our prophecy here <laughs> the the texans then fumble the kickoff mm. dirty dan Sorensen literally like on almost consecutive plays on consecutive special team plays his consecutive snaps because he yeah, stopped the makes, fourth down the offense came in then he came back on for so i mean two plays in a row for him makes a fourth down stop to get the chiefs the ball. I mean, he essentially forced two turnovers in a row. He did. Like, he absolutely he did. did. Fourth I down mean, stop yeah. and a fumble on a kickoff. It was yeah. insane. I mean, it's just, it was unbelievable on consecutive plays. And of course the chiefs could have scored Darwin Thompson. <laughs> yeah, didn't realize have. that he could return the ball. And by the time he kind of figured that out, it was a little bit too late, but he still gets the ball down to the six. Yeah. Which obviously at this point, you know, it's going into the end zone. And of course, two plays later, it does. It's 24 to 21. And boy, like this game's, mm. it's over. 
over because there's still six minutes left in the second quarter. And I mean, I know we all know the final score here, but like we were saying like, Oh, we're going to blow these guys out. We're, we're absolutely like, this is, this is the type of train that you just don't stop once it gets started. Yep. And I know the Texans were feeling like they were the conductors of that train a little bit ago, but now it was just, it was just full steam ahead. You know, it was as soon as Kelsey scored his second touchdown and then uh, they did, you know, the Texans did kind of march down the field uh, a couple times. They hit like 10 yards and then another 10 yards. And, but then eventually they had second and 10, third and 12, and another incomplete that Tyron Matthew on this third and 12 for midfield was all over DeAndre Hopkins, probably a little early, but not, not egregiously, <laughs> just, just a little, you know, I mean, it was, that's how you got to play defense, especially against one of the great ones like Hopkins. And, and especially in the playoffs. And especially they don't in like the to throw those flags. No, and they shouldn't. I mean, you should have to go out there and earn it. And, Let play. and he beautifully knocked that ball down. And as soon as Brian Anger, you know, he comes out to pump the ball. And now the Chiefs have the ball with 247 left down three. Unbelievable. I just want to make a plug for Tyron really quick. He was uh, mentioned by obviously by Sorensen, um, you know, a little homage with the celebration, but when Sorensen was on the, the, the recap show with BJ and Mitch, mm-hmm. you know, he was talking about how hot Tyron was. And actually Frank Clark was on talking about the same thing, just how, how fired up Tyron was that the chiefs lost to the Texans earlier in the year. Cause you know, hmm. Tyron was a Texan last year. Yeah. And yeah. And, you know, being an emotional guy like he is, you know, and, and this was also, I, this was his first playoff game, wasn't it? Or at least his, uh, this was, he was going for his first playoff win. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Tyron is, uh, he's just so important to the team. And you could see it. I mean, like, and, and of course the second, like, it was like the whole team was just waiting for one guy to make a play. Right. Yeah. It's like, who's it going to be? Like one of us just needs to make a play and it's all good. Like literally every single guy on the team, you just like, okay, we're Mm -hmm. good now. Like Mm -hmm. it's the monkeys off our back. Every single guy, all it took was one play and here we go. All is normal. And yeah, it was awesome. So then what was weird about this next drive with, um, so it was two Oh five left first down and Pat sees a wide open right side. And he takes off for 21 yards down to the Houston 34. Huh. And he's pointing out Dirty. blockers in front of him. You know, he's he's directing traffic, running the ball. He looks like Lamar. <laughs> and and he scoots out of bounds with a two-minute warning at the 34. And, and he brushes his brushes his jersey off. Brushes his jersey. He's flexing. <laughs> he's he's as fired up as you've seen Pat up, you know, up until this point. And they come out of the two-minute warning and they run this handoff to Kelsey who pitches to Sammy Watkins who's coming around the corner and going to throw the ball to Damian Williams which was nuts but Damian didn't get like a good start I think he got blocked a little earlier than they planned on and he wasn't really in the right spot so Pat's yelling at Sammy to throw the ball away he because he (laughs) he didn't block JJ Watt Pat didn't he let him go completely untouched which is the absolute which is the right play right call absolutely yeah so Watt's screaming in Gary and Conley screaming in at Sammy Watkins. He's trying to get, he's trying to like direct somebody to go deep and they wouldn't do it. So then eventually he steps out and loses five yards. Should have thrown the ball away. That's, that's how it goes. And then it just goes Kelsey for 20. Um, Pat 
another 14 yard scramble after that, getting down to the five, he was, he was as locked in as dialed in as Pat has been, which is, and he was the whole game incredibly high bar. I know. Yeah. I mean, he was, he 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 was dialed in for the first snap. Yes. Yes. Every one of those incompletions was a great pass. Every one of the time, every single one. His decision-making was flawless. He was on it with the, with the team motivation. I mean, he, he came into this game with the right mindset. He might've been the only guy out of the 53 that did, but he absolutely did. And then he hits Kelsey on third and goal from the five with 50 seconds left. And on that, on the toe drag, the toe drag traffic was, we talk about all of his phenomenal plays and all of his no looks and left, he lefty and all that stuff. But to be able to have the wherewithal to know that your foot's got to be behind the line of scrimmage there is like savant level brilliance. I mean, it's absolutely LeBron, Michael Jordan level of just having a total, total control over the game in front of you slowed down to a crawl. I mean, it was, it's going to go down in his, in his career highlight reel, which will be an extensive highlight reel. You know, we were talking about J.J. Watt, who Patrick Mahomes decided not to block. But <laughs> the person who blocked J.J. Watt on this play was uh-huh. Tyree Kill, which <laughs> is hilarious. It is hilarious. And he, he chipped. I mean, he basically, yeah. like, he blocked J.J. Watt. Now, did he stop J.J. Watt completely? No. But he slowed J.J. Watt down long enough for Pat to scramble out to the left side and get up to the line of scrimmage and just float that pass in to Kelsey between five defenders. And I mean, ideally you don't want Tyree kill blocking JJ Watt either. (laughs) I I would have probably been a fine if Tyree kill decided to kind of lay out of the way there Mm -hmm. just like Pat did, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. make a little business decision, but he didn't, he stayed in and he blocked and gave Pat a little bit more time to escape the pocket and get out to the left side. And now the chiefs have the lead and the, what Sorensen said when they were interviewing him for the the recap show was, you know, I mean, they asked him what his, his, the mentality was like in the locker room. And he was like, Oh yeah. I mean, Hmm, we, we, we we knew the game was over. We knew we had the game won, which is funny to hear him say, because the, the, the attitude of many of the players on Andy Reid's chiefs, like their coach is one of humility and respect for your opponent and so on and so forth. And Dan Sorensen certainly is that way. Yeah. Yeah, The embodiment of that. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Like it, it was funny to hear him say that, but to be honest with you, Taylor, I mean, like it wasn't even that play. It was, it was when the chiefs were down 24 to 14 Mm -hmm. that we knew that this game was over and this just confirmed it. I mean, in the span of, what, 10 game minutes, the Chiefs had erased a 24-point deficit and had a four-point lead. <laughs> and then the Texans, you know, just – I mean, it when when things are going good, things are going good. Yep. It, it Fairbairn was... lines up for a 51-yard field goal at the end of the half, and it's no good. And the Chiefs go in with a four-point lead and the ball at the start of the second half. And, I mean, it just – it's over. When you take a team's best punch like that and then just punch them right back 10 times harder, the fight's over. It's over. Yep, exactly right. They spent all of their energy there, uh, the Texans did, and you could just – it was done. Uh, Pat became the second player in a playoff game to throw four touchdowns in a quarter after Doug Williams in 88 for the Redskins. 
The Chiefs Texans was the highest scoring first half in playoff history, 28 24, oh, really? that 52 total points. So it was a very notable, um, obviously, and I haven't really seen extensive research on this, but my statistical mind tells me that no one has erased a 24 point deficit in one quarter. I, I don't, I, I just, I mean, would it, be, would, it would be impossible. Basically. It would be I mean, so shocking if that you'd have to have Patrick Mahomes and you'd he's have never to. done it before no. this time. So exactly. So, so that's the only way that would be possible. So, you know, the chiefs were just much like the regular season where backs against the wall, they, they grit it out and they find a way to get it done. They're just such a magnificent team. And this, this second quarter will go down among all, you know, all chiefs quarters as the, the one of the best of all time, for sure. This was the highest scoring playoff game in chiefs history for the chiefs. The only time the chiefs had ever scored 50 in the playoffs. The second was that horrible game against the Colts 45 to 44. Yeah. But this was, this was the highest scoring playoff game in chiefs history by a full touchdown third highest total yardage in a chiefs playoff game. Uh, and crazily enough, by the way, the two games above it for chiefs total yardage mm-hmm. were both losses, the sure. Colts game and a loss sure. to the Miami dolphins in 1971, where we had four one total yards. Exactly. And, and lost in triple OT. So this was, it was, it was an unbelievable performance. We, we don't, need to go drive by drive in the second no. half because no. it just was touchdown, 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 yeah. touchdown. I mean, they seven up, straight touchdown drives. Yeah. By yeah, the they Chiefs. Put up 48 straight points would have been 49, if not for a shanked extra point, but it was, it was academic at that point. I mean, it was absolutely, you know, the, the Texans were humiliated and defeated and the chiefs were messing around and throwing touchdowns to Blake Bell and just being just, just elated that they were able to get that, the monkey on the Chiefs' back is not just losing. It's losing agonizingly. It's it's losing in the worst way that a team can dream up losing. And that was exactly what they were heading towards. And they just exercised all of those demons in one quarter. And we we just – we had that release of this is no longer the Chiefs of the past. This is no longer – Lynn Elliott. This is no longer the fumble. This is no longer the catching his own touchdown. This is a new era. Right. And it doesn't matter what we're facing. They basically beat all of those chiefs demons to rest in, in that quarter. In, in, that, in those quarter. 10 minutes. I mean, it was, it was Not a sight to behold. a full quarter of football. And it's going to, it's going to be part of the top line of Patrick Mahomes legendary, you know, it, everything that he does. That's so incredible. This was exactly like, I know we already compared this to the Royals wildcard game, but the trajectory of the Royals, if they hadn't won that wildcard game, is a million percent different. They do not go anywhere in the 14 playoffs. They definitely don't have the motivation of losing game seven and 14 to go out in 15 and light the world on fire. I mean, it, it changes everything. Absolutely the same with this game. If the Chiefs had lost this game and lost it badly or even come back and still lost the game, I mean, 
think of all the people asking for Andy Reid's head and yeah. for, you know, oh, for same sure. old Chiefs, blow it in the AFC Championship game yeah. the year before, have a gifted path to the, to the Super Bowl here, basically, playing the Texans and Titans to get to the Super Bowl and blowing that. Can you imagine if the AFC Championship game would have been Texans-Titans? Oh, I mean, that yeah. is just... I mean, yeah. I can't imagine it because I literally did imagine <laughs> yes, it. Yes, we were. We were talking about Late it. Yeah. in the first quarter, right. we were having that exact conversation. And you're right. I mean, so much changed in those 10 minutes and will forever be changed. I mean, like, it's so it's so easy to overlook now that we've won the Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, what it was like, all the playoff games that came before that and all the heartbreak and all the disasters that we had to witness. And then this was going to be an all time disaster, like ranking up there with the absolute worst playoff losses in a, for a franchise yeah, that might has have been the worst, a history of <laughs> excruciating playoff losses. Yeah. And instead we won the game and then we won the Super Bowl. So that was, <laughs> that was pretty cool. It, it, it worked out. It did. So next week we will recap the Titans game. Mm-hmm. But today we are closing out with a very special ceremony of sorts. We are recognizing the heroes of the, the early days of the always sunny in chiefs kingdom podcast. I'll just say uh, we have been so grateful for everybody's support. Everybody who has participated, sent us mailbag questions, retweeted us, reviewed us, listening right used now. our sponsor code <laughs> listening right now all of it we just appreciate it so much and so we wanted to recognize some of y'all shout you all out if for whatever reason your name is not on this list do not despair you can always become a bird of war we just uh you know get out there and engage with us we love hearing from people on twitter retweet us what we really like right now is for people to really spread the word and get some new listeners in there so you all have some company future classes of birds of war so Taylor, do you want to, you want to recognize some people? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, to echo kind of what you said, um, the support has been great. It's been humbling and overwhelming and, and we just love that we're just a couple of fans that are recapping the chiefs the way that you guys would, if we were sitting there having a drink with you talking about these games, you know, this isn't anything official of, although we are both sponsored and, part of sports illustrated. So it is a little official, but, um, it's <laughs> which just, we would never be able to do by the way, if no, not for certain listeners not. like you. And it's just been, it's been a blast. We certainly would not have created the podcast if the chiefs had not won the super bowl. So all of these ripple effects, these <laughs> butterfly effects that they created there in that second quarter, you know, it, it created this. So thanks to everybody. Um, we're going to start and we're just going to kind of go through a list. We came up with this list, off of our heads. I mean, it, what I'm saying is that if you're not on this list, it doesn't mean that we didn't think you were worthy. It means that we sat there and we talked about 20 or so names that we thought should be on this list. And there are a lot of you out there. There are a lot of people that have engaged with us every week that have sent us great mailbag questions. And if you're not on here, I swear Austin and I probably would think that you're worthy. We just didn't come up with your names off the top of our heads. So that being said, we're going to go through and just name some names and talk about you guys a little bit. Uh, Keith McLean, the clan McLean, um, he's, you know, he represents us up North in the great state or the great country of Canada. We appreciate you and all of the, uh, yeah. Carrying our podcast North of the border. Yeah, exactly. And a great Twitter following us. (laughs) Yeah. So appreciate that. Of course we got our man, Zach, who gave us our 
our opener this week, uh, swapping the teams around. He's been a mailbag staple. You know him at the layman's terms. Also a Yahoo All Juice listener, so mm. he's got uh, double duty there. But Zach, <laughs> we appreciate you uh, you engaging with us, and you've been a longtime supporter. So of course we're going to recognize you. And same for our man Peter Yadrich at Peter Wygolf. You have heard his name pretty much every week that we've done this show, supporting us from the very beginning, uh, day one bird of war, like literally when we started coming up with, you know, the idea to do this, you know, that's, that was, <laughs> we were like, well, Peter's first, be on there. first name on the list. So Peter, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah. Um, obviously a major contributor to the pod was the creator of our very first giveaway. And that is a uh, loyal listener, the artist chief. He is now the artist chief 4k because he passed 4,000 followers. Congratulations, Corey at Corey 04. You know him for his amazing work. Um, with, you know, the Chiefs paintings and all that stuff. Corey, we really appreciate you listening and uh, keep up the great work with the art. And then we had James McGregor at MacTruck2087. He's been a frequent mailbag contributor as well. We appreciate you listening, James. So uh, thank you for tuning in. You are one of our inaugural Birds of War. Yes, along with, of course, the man, the myth, the legend, Autonomous Vitamin J <laughs> at Vitamin Under J. Uh, he is another day one supporter, so original Bird of War, been a longtime follower, I know, of Austin's for quite a while. Uh, you're the man, dude. Keep it up. And we got my uh, cohort from way back uh, this time a year ago. Uh, Taylor, we were just a couple of guys, and <laughs> I ended up with a bunch of Twitter followers because Tyreek Hill got in trouble with the law. And uh, our next guy, Ryan Edwards, at by Ryan Edwards, one of our inaugural Birds of War. He was right there on the front lines of the whole Tyreek Hill saga that we went through a year ago today, getting Kevin Keatsman canceled, so on and so forth. So appreciate <laughs> having him in my DMs for a long, long time. So we Good appreciate memory. you listening, Ryan. Appreciate it, Ryan. Uh, next on the list is our winner of Corey's trivia con- or tri- giveaway, painting giveaway. The trivia winner, Jesse Williams at 90s Chiefs, does some great 90s highlights and stuff. If you uh, want to reminisce on the old days of, you know, Derek Thomas and Neil Smith and all those guys, give Jesse Williams a follow. We appreciate you, Jesse. Next, we got Kevin Meyer at KC Chem Guy. He is a frequent mailbag contributor. Uh, Taylor wanted to recognize him for some political discussions on the side. Y'all know our politics on Twitter, but uh, we do like engaging with people with different viewpoints. Kevin always likes to bring some interesting twists, and we do enjoy interacting with him. He's a good follow at KC Chem Guy. We appreciate you, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin, we pretty much, um, you're probably the number one person I would rather engage with on that side of the aisle. So thank you for that. Keep up the great work. Uh, We have, I've always loved this guy's handle, Praise Be Mahomes, at Praise Be Mahomes. We don't even know his real name. We don't, and we don't need to, because he represents (laughs) all of us. And it's just, uh, you know, always asking really engaging, really great mailbag questions. Um, Was there since day one. So uh, wherever you are, whoever you are out there, Praise be Mahomes indeed. I hope you are Mahomes. Secretly. Oh, like I hope you're Mahomes. I, I just got all that flustered would. with you saying oh, that. That'd be yeah. amazing. Next on the list, we have Jordan Scarin at Mr. J1128. Jordan has been retweeting all of our stuff, which yeah. we love. People that pop that retweet button, that is how we spread to the masses. So everybody be like Jordan. 
hammer that RT button. And he's given us some mailbag questions as well. We, uh, we really appreciate you listening, Jordan. And thank you for slamming that retweet button. Yes, sir. Um, a lot of these obviously are interactions from the mailbag. These have been staples of our show. They have given us hours and hours. Yeah. What would we talk about? I mean, literally you guys have, have just served us up (laughs) these great questions that we go on for, you know, hours and hours and Brian Westhues is no different. Um, I hope, I don't know, W E S T H U E S. I guess it's probably West Hughes. Could be West Hughes uh, at West Z O U S. West so, Zeus. So maybe so that's how you pronounce it. West Zeus. Oh, that makes sense. He's got the phonetic handle with the. Okay. So, could be. Brian, we appreciate you. You've been a great listener and follower. And uh, please keep asking us fun questions. Next, we got at, uh, at OUSAS, Andrew Whiteside, longtime uh, Twitter interactee before we even had a podcast, fellow attorney at law. Very engaging mailbag questions from him. Honored member of the British Special Air Service. <laughs> so prior to his work as an attorney in America, definitely was in the <laughs> British Special Forces. So, you know, always pop a follow on him at OUSAS. We appreciate you, Andrew. Thank you for listening to the podcast and supporting us. Yes, sir. Uh, Chad Van Dam at Chad Van Dam 11. Not only does he have a dope name that sounds like he should be starring in action movies, but uh, has been great follower, great listener, um, DM'd us some mailbag questions and generally is very enthusiastic about the show. We appreciate you, Chad. Next, we have Justin R. Orell. Not Justin Rorell. Yeah, we will never mispronounce your name again, but I'm sorry that you will have to endure jokes from your family for all time because we mispronounced your name on the podcast once, any down and distance. He gave us our great cookie debate from a couple of weeks ago, a longtime frequent contributor to the mailbag. Thank you so much, Justin, for supporting the show. We appreciate you. Next on the list is one of my favorite uh, names of our <laughs> I followers. I, I do too. So BM bear with a little bear emoji. Uh, great I name. I love the bear emoji. The bear emojis, are, it ties the whole thing together. Uh, yeah, great sure. questions. Your at is McSwag Analty. And I apologize for laughing when we try and say Analty there. Um, You're going to have to tell us how that's nulty? pronounced. Maybe it's a Nulty. A Nulty, yeah. McSwag yeah. Analty. And uh, I apologize for every time that we do that because... You know, you know, I kids. would imagine if that's your real name, that that's, that's probably something you've dealt with your whole life. So, you know, well, and you know, it's BM bear BMs. So maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's all tied in there, but I appreciate all of your great questions and great interactions. Thank you, Mr. Bear. We have uh, next at Polish chiefs fan PKS longtime listeners of this podcast. We've only been doing this for what, four months. Yeah. So longtime listeners of the podcast maybe is a little dramatic. Hey man, they're still here with us. That's long. That's long for me. Listen, uh, Polish Chiefs fan is a legend on the Always Sunny and Chiefs Kingdom podcast because he put us on the map in Poland. Literally, literally on the map, he put us up there right behind around the NFL podcast. Uh, our rankings have slipped a little bit since then. <laughs> so Polish Chiefs fan, you got a little work to do. Got to get those polls back in there. I know you guys are watching football, you know, European football now or whatever. Now that you guys have sports back lorded over us you know that's fine but we really appreciate you for repping us all the way over in poland which is just amazing uh i mean who would have thought here we are talking football with Chiefs fans in poland in 2020 literally like the only good thing about 2020 but yeah it's uh it's pretty cool it's pretty good that's true appreciate you polish Chiefs fan finally we have an og um listener of the show that we haven't heard from in a while um sloan bright at sloan bright 
Sloan, hopefully you're still listening to the pod. I don't know what happened on the whole Twitterverse thing, but uh, it's been a couple months. If anyone out there, you know, knows anything about Sloan, Austin and I are just concerned about her whereabouts, I guess. So that would be cool to have a little update there. Um, she literally like live tweeted one of our first episodes of this podcast. So of yeah, course we're huge shout her out. fan, huge Chiefs wherever fan. she is. Yes. We uh we appreciate her and her early support, and uh, we miss her. So you know, bring her back to Twitter if anybody knows where she's at. Thank you all so much for listening. This is going to be a pretty long episode, but we appreciate you all for sticking with us. Like I said, if any of you are wanting to join our prestigious inaugural class of the Birds of War, slam that retweet button, tell your friends, tell your enemies, you know, go on Facebook. You know, we, we are primarily Twitter users, but go, you know, promote us on other social media, whether that's Facebook, whether that's, you know, Reddit, Instagram, whatever it is. Uh, talk about the podcast. If you like the podcast, just tell people about it. You obviously can always check out our sponsor use our code. Uh, we appreciate some of you have, have messaged us and have obviously have been using the Manscaped product. So we appreciate you doing that and supporting the podcast in that way. Uh, we are just uh, so thankful, obviously, for all the support that we've gotten from our listeners. And we look forward to continuing to do this. We're going to give you a little bit of a preview. Uh, we've kind of discussed or we've mapped out the next couple of weeks. We're going to recap the Titans game next week. Then we're going to probably do a, a Super Bowl bye week. And that'll probably be a mailbag episode. So we'll, we'll uh, be soliciting questions for that. And then in three weeks, Taylor, hmm. the end of July, we're going to be recapping the Super Bowl. And that is going to be all that we do for that episode. It'll probably be three, probably be three hours long. Okay, hopefully. That's all, that's all we'll be talking about. We should about. live just put the Super Bowl on and then just sit there while it's and playing. And just talk. Yeah, that, <laughs> would be, that would be fun. Anyway, uh, we appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll see you next time. Later.